With a candid admission that no doubt most of us can relate to, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I spent too much of my life living to satisfy myself at the expense of many people around me, at the expense of the culture and society in which I lived, at my own personal expense, as I allowed the sinful habits in my life to erode my life from the inside out, destroying me not only spiritually but physically. And I spent too much time living life to please myself. And God has opened a new avenue in our lives by faith, born again, learning how to please Him. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Surely, most Christians would admit to time lost, living for themselves and not God. Others struggle to walk with God, and then some wonder if it's even possible. We'll get some encouragement on all three counts today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In Hebrews 11, we'll hear about a man named Enoch, who by faith walked with God. Here with today's lesson, beginning with a bit of review, is Pastor Ed. We're studying the lives, if you're just joining us, we're studying the lives of men and women who believed God. That's what chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, it's actually known as the hall of faith. And I'm so grateful it's known as the hall of faith and not known as the hall of failure because each one of the people in chapter 11 of Hebrews were normal men and women just like you and me, filled with failures, filled with lapses of faith, But when God writes his Bible, when he writes the final word, he remembers them for their faith, not for their failure. And to me, that encourages me personally because God, he isn't magnifying my failure. He's remembering the faithfulness that I have toward him. And I hope it encourages you because you could easily look at your life and say, well, I made a mistake there and I blew it there and I said that there. And you could be surrounded by your own failures. But when God looks out on us, he sees potential in us. He sees, as I was sharing with a brother last night, you know, it's a real difficult situation. But I looked him in the eye because I've walked with him for many years here in the church. And I looked him in the eye and I said, look, I know it's hard right now, but I don't want you to forget how far you've come. I want you to remember how you walked in the room here. I want you to remember the first time we spoke. I want you to remember the depth of hopelessness and difficulty that you met and compared to where you are right now. And I'm sure it's true for you. Maybe not in the context of this church, but in the context of your life. Look how far you've come. Look at what God has done in your life. Remember today that even though you were faithless, God remained faithful. That even though you might have strayed to the left and walked away to the right, God remained that pursuing, loving, gracious, forgiving God in your life. And here you are walking with him and living with him. That's chapter 11. Chapter 11 is the application chapter of the entire book, really, of Hebrews. Remember, Hebrews was written to a group of first century believers that were Jewish. So they had a cultural context that this book was written to. And the whole theme of Hebrews is the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. The summary of Hebrews, the whole sum of the matter is simply this. Jesus Christ is sufficient. 
You don't need religion. You don't need religious people. You, you don't need a life of works, but rather by faith in Jesus Christ, you have all that you've ever been looking for and all that you'll ever need in life. You've been given all things, Peter said. We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But like them then, we are faced with temptations to add to our relationship with Jesus. Like simplicity for some is just, it's just too simple. It's got to be more. There's got to be more than just believing it. There's got to be more than just trusting it. There's got to be more. And so they search after the more. And it makes you very vulnerable to false teaching. It makes you very vulnerable to being captured by our culture. It makes you very vulnerable to being taken advantage of by even churches and pastors and priests perhaps. When you are not content abiding in Jesus Christ for the direction and the summary of your life. And so chapter after chapter, Paul was writing to the Hebrew believers not to go back to Judaism because Judaism pointed them to the coming Messiah, the Savior of the world. They placed their faith in him, but now through the pressures of life, they've lost their family, they've lost their possessions, they've lost their cultural status. You could say that they've lost a whole identity in many ways because very few people in the first century believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the few that did were ostracized by their family and friends. They lost literally everything. And while we haven't faced that ourselves, there is much loss that we face. There is much change that takes place. And so the question then is, if Jesus is the sufficient answer for my life, then how do I live it out? How? And the answer is in chapter 10. And it begins in chapter 10. Would you go to verse 36 in chapter 10? For the person that's wondering how, what next? In verse 36, it says, you have need of endurance. And remember, when we studied this, you probably already circled it and you wrote next to it the Greek word hupomone, to bear up under the weight and the load. That you just have a need to steady on, to not quit, to take the next step, to do the next thing. You have need to endure what you're facing right now. That things will get easier. That the burden will lighten. And says, so that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and not tarry. And the just shall live by faith. How are we to apply these principles in our lives? How are we to live our life? It's by faith. So let me ask you, church, and I want you to answer out loud. How is it that we're to live our life? By faith. Let me give you the answer for every, every other time I ask this question. It's always by faith. It is your, the supreme principle in your life that keeps you tethered and connected to God, enjoying the benefits of God, enjoying God himself. It's by faith. So that the constant, continual attack in your life is for you and me not to believe God, not to believe in God, not to trust him at his word, not to believe the Bible when it says something so startling, so challenging, so powerful, and we just walk away going, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's for me. I don't believe, I don't believe what God is saying. I don't believe his promises. And so we come today to chapter 11. As we finish off, it says in verse 38 of chapter 10, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back 
to destruction. But those who believe to the saving of the soul, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. And that's the rest of the chapter. We're going to learn about these elders of the faith, those that have gone before us, and we're going to learn about their testimony. And it starts out with us in verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things that are seen were not made of the things that are visible. By faith, verse 4, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was a righteous God, testifying of his gifts. And through it, he, being dead, still speaks. We were introduced to Abel, and by faith, we learned that he was a worshiper of God. How do you worship God, church? Say it again. How do we worship God? By faith. By faith. Today, we're going to learn that our relationship with God, our walk with God, is by faith. And really, the sum, by the time we end this chapter, the real the bottom line is just going to be this. Every aspect of our life pleases God by faith. We're going to learn today that it's impossible to please God without faith. Your best efforts, your best actions, separated from faith, do not please God. But by faith, even the smallest, simplest, even when you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, by faith, knowing that somehow God's going to use that in the person's life, not just to satisfy their temporary thirst, but to satisfy their spiritual thirst, when you do it by faith, it pleases God. And that keeps us all even. We all get to please God by faith. So let's meet a guy by the name of Enoch in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he did not see death. And was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me read that to you in now the New Living Translation. I like how some of the verse they translated it says this. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. That's that sense of translated. Enoch was taken up into heaven without experiencing natural death. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that it rewards those who sincerely seek him. So Enoch, we learn, had a testimony of faith. And the testimony is faith. And the, the end of his life, he's known as a man that pleased God. And I don't think there's many people, too many people listening to me right now that don't want to please God. I think that's a great way to live my life. I want to I be pleasing to God. I want my life to matter in this world, yes. But I want it to matter in this world in a way that pleases God that honors him. I spent too much of my life. I spent too much of my life living to please myself, living to satisfy myself at the expense of many people around me, at the expense of the culture and society in which I lived, at my own personal expense, as I allowed the sinful habits in my life to erode my life from the inside out, destroying me not only spiritually, but destroying me physically. And I spent too much time living life to please myself, 
And God has opened a new avenue in our lives by faith, born again, learning how to please him. And we say, well, how is it possible for us to please God? Turn back to Genesis chapter 5 as we're introduced to Enoch for the first time, all the way back in the book of Genesis. It seems like a complicated question, I know. Some of you are listening right now and you're like, man, I want to please God too. Tell me what I got to do. Tell me what I have to do. Tell me the actions of my life. Well, we're going to learn it in Enoch's life. It's a very simple answer. Notice with me in chapter 5, verse 18. Genesis chapter 5, verse 18. Jared lived 162 years and he begot Enoch. Now, if you like to write in your Bibles, you might want to circle Enoch. His name means dedicated. Enoch was a dedicated man. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years. He begot sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and begot sons and daughters. So that all the days of Enoch were 365 years and... Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Two times we understand the life of Enoch. Two times it's mentioned. Enoch pleased God because he walked with God. He walked with God. Now, those of you that are new to Christianity, new to church, new to Bible study, walking with God, or that phrase, Walk with God is, is a Christian phrase. You might even hear it referred to as Christianese. Like it's a new language you learn from the Bible. It's not necessarily a new picture because walking is really here a picture. When you, when you use the phrase walk with God, it actually is describing your lifestyle. You know, who you hang out with. When you're walking with someone, you're in the moment with that person. You're not with anyone else. You're enjoying the company of the people or the person that you're with when you're walking. So this phrase, walk with God, is used many, many times in the Bible to reflect the lifestyle in which you live. Because if you think of your own lifestyle, most of your life and movement is walking. And most of your life and movement is walking with someone. And walk is a pretty cool illustration to use because walking implies forward motion, we very rarely, I mean, I might take a step backward here, but I don't call that walking. Walking always speaks of going forward. It also speaks of taking step after step, just one at a time. I know you have a long journey. Let's like say you, yeah, after service today, you, you're going to walk home, and you know you got a long journey. It's a few blocks, maybe three blocks, four blocks around, and you're going to walk home, and you think of the big journey, but you're going to take the big journey one step at a time. You're not going to skip any steps. It's going to be one foot in front of another. There's going to be a natural progress. Another thing about walking is that everybody tends to have their own walk, like their own gait. Like you could see somebody from a distance and not necessarily see their face or see their clothes, but the way they walk, you can recognize them because they have their own stance, their own way they walk. Some people walk faster. Some people walk slower. Some people take double steps. You know, everyone has their own walk. So when the Bible speaks of Enoch walking with God, it speaks of a lifestyle of relationship. And everyone has a walk. And here's the thing. There are two choices that you and I have spiritually of who we walk with. We will either A, number one, walk with God, or number two, we will choose to walk not with God. 
There isn't a third option. That includes the people that are in our lives. We're either going to walk with God with people, or we're not going to walk with God with people. But there's not a third option. Therein lies the challenge for many believers. The challenge for many believers is that you think that you can walk in two different places at the same time. You think that you can have a relationship with God and walk with God, and at the same time, you believe you can also have a relationship with this world system, this this ungodly culture, and enjoy life. But those of you that have tried this, as one person said, you think you have one foot in the world over here, you got one foot in the Lord, and over here, and you're like, "I, I just can't make any progress. I'm never happy. As a matter of fact, you're probably a very frustrated person because you have enough God in you. You have enough God in you that the world you can't really enjoy. It's just not as fulfilling as it was before you were born again. And you have enough world in you where you're not fully enjoying God. You're not fully enjoying a lifestyle. Like when you choose to live and walk with the world in the world's ways, the course of this world. You know, the, the world has its own course. It has, it has its own way of doing things. Enoch lived in one of the most godless generations that ever existed. Enoch lived in a time where the oppression among followers of God was undeniable. Where the mockery and the ridicule was overwhelming. And yet we learn in Enoch's life that his life, apart from everyone else, pleased God. Why? Because he chose to walk with God. So much of my time as a pastor, as a fellow believer, brother in the Lord, so much of my time is spent either encouraging someone in their walk in the Lord, which is always fun. I love that part of ministry. I love that part just to encourage you to keep taking steps of faith, to encourage you to keep going for it, to take that while. Yeah, go for it. Do what all that God has put on your heart. I love that part of ministry. But you know, the other part of ministry also has to do with your walk with the Lord. And much of my time is spent not just encouraging believers in their walk, but begging you, begging you trying to paint a picture of what it's going to be like if you fail walking with the Lord. Like if you just blow it off, if you just treat it like it's no big deal, if you start to dabble in and start to look at and start to play around with the things of this world like like it's not going to be that big a deal. Like you start, like when you walk, you're only going to walk in one direction. You don't walk in two directions. Jesus spoke of entering into salvation as a narrow path, a narrow, it's not the wide part where everybody has room, it's always the wide gate, no, it's the narrow way, it's the narrow path. And it seems through Bible study, constantly there's that begging of you that would you, would you get your walk right with the Lord? Would you consider where you're walking right now, the direction of your life, who you're investing your life in? Because if you don't get this right, and if I don't get this right, just living my life by faith, we're going to get to the end of our lives and it's going to be filled with regrets. But I'll tell you this, every decision you've made walking with God, you will never regret. It will never be a regret in your life. Every sacrifice you've made, every offering that you've given, every meal you've distributed, everything you've done in the name of Jesus Christ, walking with God, you will not regret. It doesn't take long to see our own culture is very similar, getting darker and darker until the coming of the Lord. And we're faced with the same choice that Enoch was. Will we by faith walk with God? This was so important in Enoch's life that it was mentioned twice. 
Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. We come to the end where his life is the focus and the laser on his life is. And that walk with God translated into pleasing God. By faith, pleasing God. Only twice in the Bible is it mentioned and emphasized someone walking with God. Enoch and another guy by the name of Noah. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 it says, This is the genealogy of Noah. He was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. We know that many more did. The whole chapter 11 is filled with men and women that walked with God. But these two are pointed out specifically, I believe, because of the culture in which they lived. That you can make it in the culture that you're in right now when you choose to walk with God. He pleased God. I was reminded of that other time in the scriptures where another person pleased God. Remember, Jesus was in the waters being baptized and the Father spoke from heaven. And what did he say? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. God in human flesh. And how did he live his life? Jesus summarized his life this way. He said this, I always do that which pleases the Father. (laughs) I love that. I live to do the will of my Father. And it's such a freeing way. Many people, they they describe walking with God as so restrictive and so heavy and so burdensome. No, it's the only way to please God. It's actually the place of great freedom to surrender. Freedom in surrender. While it sounds counterintuitive, it is true. We'll hear more about this liberated life that pleases God next time when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed, there's a popular view of faith described as a blind leap in the dark. Some say it's believing something you know isn't true. Can you set the record straight on what biblical faith is? Well, the real essence, Larry, of faith is the object by which you put it in, you place it in. Who are you trusting, not simply what are you trusting? And biblical faith is that trust of God believing what he said and put into writing is true. And this idea of a blind leap in the dark, we're always accused, I believe, unnecessarily of circular reasoning when we say, well, we believe in God. Why? Because it says so in the Bible. Why? Because God wrote the Bible. Why? Because we believe God. And, and I mean, if it, was a, if it was that simple, then certainly circular reason could be it. But the, the real question is, can we trust the Bible? Is there manuscript evidence proving that the Bible we have in our hands in this English version is accurate to the original writings? Yes. Is there archaeological evidence to prove that what is predicted or what is said in the scriptures is actually true, like geographically. And of course, every year we take people to Israel to see it for themselves. You'll even put a rock from the Valley of Elah where David defeated Goliath. You can uh, take rocks home from that valley, like in your hand, in your pocket. Is there predictive prophecy evidence in the scriptures that we can believe the Bible? Is there, is there the truth of the statistical probability of all these things being true? And, and the answer is yes, 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 and yes. So faith is, ne- is not a blind leap in the dark. I guess in some ways people could do that. They could operate that way. But that's not what God requires us. He demonstrates his character and his love to us through the historically proven fact of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
and therefore our faith and our trust is in a God, in a God, capital G, the God, who has proven himself over and over again. Uh, far from being a blind leap of faith, it is a uh, eyes-wide-open decision that we make, and I'm so glad I have and so many of you have as well. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. And thank you for remembering abounding grace in your giving to the Lord. Every gift that comes in goes right to ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'll say thanks by sending you Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness. We realize depression is a very real and common struggle, even among Christians. And God has the help you need. Edward Welch thoughtfully looks into depression, offering real and lasting hope to those that struggle. To order it today, call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also go to calvaryco.store on the web. And there you can order our picks of the month. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast. And we look forward to continuing the journey through Hebrews next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.